to see you again today. We're glad you're here. Again, pray for, there's just a lot of people that couldn't get their cars started this morning. And, uh, you know, it helps to have a good battery, I guess. Praise God. And, uh, of course, when it's this cold, sometimes even a good battery is not good enough. So let's be praying for those. And, of course, there's still a lot of flu going around Connecticut. And uh, it certainly has touched several in our church. So uh, Matthew chapter 26. And uh, bear with me this morning because this is kind of going to be preaching, a, kind of a preaching, teaching, kind of a uh, showing you uh, what the Lord uh, wants us to understand here today. So Matthew 26, starting at verse uh, 17, it says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Everybody say Passover. In verse 18 it says, And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Skipping down to verse 26. Verse 26 of Matthew chapter 26. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Verse 29 says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. From these portions of Scripture and from others that I'm going to use today, I want to preach from this title. Jesus said, This do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, once again, we're so grateful and thankful for what you're about to do today to touch our hearts and our minds. Bless us and keep us. Thank, us for the, thank you for the power of your spirit that was certainly here this morning. And we believe that throughout this year that, that the power of your spirit is going to build and do great things and minister to hearts and change lives. And we thank you in advance for the things you're going to do in this new year. And we bless you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Now, you see on the screen here our theme for this year, taken out of Romans chapter 12. Uh, verse 2, talking about being transformed and renewed. And we're going to be talking about that as the year goes on. Uh, but I'd like to tell you and show you a few things relating to Passover and receiving communion. And, and so I've never preached a message about communion, and so it's going to be a little different. Uh, but Passover uh, in the Old Testament was, uh, if you will remember, that the Jews were slaves in Egypt for many, many years. And as they had cried out unto the Lord and asked the Lord to deliver them, uh, God, of course, gave them Moses, and God began to pour out plagues upon Egypt. The last plague that God used uh, to, uh, to cause Pharaoh to release the Jews was the plague of the death angel. The death angel would overshadow the land and the firstborn in every household. Uh, would lose their life. They would die that night. And God instituted the Passover where the Jews were to kill a lamb and to apply the blood to the doorposts of the house and to the lentil 
Now, I want you to kind of grab a hold of this. You need to really hear uh, how this correlates and how this plays into commun- what we call today communion. And so as God instituted Passover and those Jews would kill those lambs and they would take the blood and they would put it on the doorposts entering into their house and upon the top of the door. They did not put it on the threshold because you're never supposed to walk through the blood. Amen. And so they would apply the blood to their house. And if they applied the blood to their house, everyone that stayed within that house that night would be saved from the plague of the death angel. That night the death angel came and many, many, many children, many uh, died that day. Mostly that were uh, were not Jewish, obviously that that uh, were Egyptian, and and possibly we don't know for sure that maybe even some Hebrew children passed away because if they did not apply the blood to their doorpost, then the death angel could have entrance into their homes, and and so uh, the death angel could not enter their house because of the blood. So the Israelites that were, were, were protected by the blood were not killed. The Israelites today still celebrate the Passover. They celebrate it because God delivered them just as, it, as Jesus celebrated and just as it was celebrated prior to that. Amen. Especially at the time when the, when the, Egypt, when they were, the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. Uh, the Passover festival is still celebrated even today. The Passover is what is called the Festival of Liberation. It is a reminder of God's protective power and how God liberated them from slavery. And although we as Christians don't celebrate Passover, we're grateful for today because God has given us liberty and freedom. I hope there's somebody in the house of God today that God has set you free from sin and from the slavery of sin and God has taken you from the bondage of sin and the slavery uh, that you have been bound, that you were bound years ago, but God took you out of that slavery to sin and God gave you liberty. I thank God for that this morning. Uh, and I, I, we see in the Gospels that Jesus and his disciples celebrate Passover. And then in Matthew chapter 26, which we just read, Jesus celebrated Passover and instituted what we call today communion. He took bread and he broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat. And then he took wine and blessed it and gave them to drink. The bread was a type of his broken body, while the wine was a type of his blood. Amen. The, 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 the wine uh, he called the blood of the New Testament. In fact, he said it like this. It is the blood of the New Testament which is shed for the remission of sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Now I'm going to stop here for a moment and say that when we receive communion, we're not eating the literally, the literal body of Jesus. But it is symbolical of his broken flesh. 
And I'm going to try to relate to that in just a moment. But in verse 24, I'm going to read again. It says, and when he had taken, uh, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Actually, another thought comes to mind. Is you have got to understand when the disciples first received what we call communion today. They were celebrating Passover. But when Jesus broke that bread and handed it to them, They did not understand the correlation when he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. They saw Jesus as a whole man there that was not yet crucified, that was not yet tortured, that was not yet spit upon, that was not yet beaten, that the spear had not yet pierced his side. But they saw him as a whole complete healthy man and as he broke that bread and handed it to them said take eat this is my body which is broken for them somewhere in their mind I think there may have been some confusion what is he talking about his broken body and and when he gave them the wine and said drink this this is a type of my blood they were wondering what is he talking about his blood they didn't really understand that just hours from that moment his life his body would be broken and his blood would be shed they didn't know that at the time but when they did in fact see his body broken and the blood shed that's when it went in their brain and they began to think ah that's what Jesus was saying take eat this is my body and drink this is my blood after the same manner it goes on in verse 25 after the same same manner also he took the cup When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. We don't take communion weekly or monthly like many churches. The reason is I feel that communion should be a special Thing, not just a habit that we do. Uh, and some churches will take communion at funerals and weddings and, and then every week and every so often. But I feel like communion shouldn't just be a habit, it should be impactful in and upon our lives. That it needs to be respected. And there is great significance associated with communion. And that being said, by the way, we probably could do it a little more often. As, but as the Lord directs, I, I try to feel the direction of the Lord when we receive communion. But Jesus gave his life for us. I don't know if there's anybody else here today that is as grateful for that as we ought to be. But Jesus gave his life. And I don't think we fully understand or comprehend the price that he had to pay so that we could have the freedom we have here today. I'm grateful for the presence of God that was in his house this morning. He was here in such a beautiful way, but that was purchased by his blood. He gave his life so that we could feel that presence, so that we could worship him. He gave his life so that we could have forgiveness of our sins and so that we could be filled with his spirit. I want to remind you that his body was torn and it was broken by the Roman soldiers. 
Just like Jesus tore that bread before his disciples, his body was broken and torn by those Roman soldiers. We tried to beautify the cross. We tried to beautify Calvary. We see a Savior on a cross, and, and of course we do see the nails or the spikes in his feet and in his hands, and we see the crown of thorns there. But you don't see an appropriate picture of what Jesus looked like uh, because the Bible says his visage was so marred uh, you could not recognize that it was Jesus uh, if you saw Jesus a few hours before they tortured him uh, before they pulled out his beard uh, before they beat his back uh, bloody and, and before they, they tortured him uh, he was not the same man in that sense uh, that he was tortured his body was broken for us. We glorify it by showing stripes across his back. But I'm here to tell you that there was quivering flesh that was hanging from that back. As they tore his back, it wasn't just a whip, but it had pieces of bone in it and pieces of, of stone and pieces of glass in there and pottery. And as they whipped his back and pulled back upon that whip, pieces of flesh were torn off and as Jesus was there hanging upon that cross that quivering torn flesh was now having splinters from that rough hewn wood that was driving up into his back I don't know why I'm so impacted this morning in this way but we have got to understand how it relates to that broken flesh that broken body when he tore open that bread they were just thinking he's going to give me a piece but he was still telling them and he was showing them that as this bread is broken my body will be broken my God, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. He was trying to show them that we are transitioning from an Old Testament way of thinking to a New Testament way of thinking, from an Old Testament lifestyle to a New Testament lifestyle. And it's this blood that is going to be shed here today. It is this blood, it's by, by His own blood uh, that we are going to be washed uh, and cleansed from our sins. Uh, but that body was broken. You could not even recognize who he was we show a picture of a crown of thorns on his head but we don't really understand that those thorns that were driven into his head were likely probably four inches long and as they put it on his head, as they put that crown of thorns on his head, they didn't just place it there. They put something on top of it as they hammered that down onto his head so those thorns would be driven into his brow and into his skull and into the back of his head. They were literally driven in. I, I, I don't know if any of you have ever gone walking in the woods and you accidentally brush up against a pricker bush. Does anybody, has that ever happened to anybody? It doesn't feel very good, does it? Uh, if you've ever had to pull out one of those thorns out of your body or out of your clothes, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but magnify that a thousand times uh, and then you begin to understand uh, that crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. Uh, this was not a beautiful thing. Uh, it was ugly. 
Now, we can say it was beautiful in the sense that it purchased our redemption, but that's the only thing beautiful about it. Everything else was ugly. Everything else was disgusting. When, they, when, that, when that soldier reached up and thrust that spear into his side uh, and out came blood and water, it was a disgusting scene uh, because they would have broken his legs in order to speed up the death process, but they didn't have to because he was already dead. Uh, but what went up to and led up to that uh, is just amazing, and we should never forget the price that Jesus paid. And Jesus... Yes, let's clap our hands to the Lord for a moment. Jesus wanted to remind them when you take communion, it was as a reminder of the awful price that he paid for their sins. Hours after Jesus celebrated that first communion, that is when they began to relate the picture that he was trying to show them and the price that he would pay. The bread was a reminder of the price that he paid, and he gave them as he gave them wine. Uh, and, of course, we use grape juice today. It was to be a reminder of his blood. He said in verse 27, And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. When his disciples saw Jesus' blood dripping from his hands and from his feet, from the beating he took and from the spear that was thrust into his side, this would remind them of the blood that was shed for them. There are too many people that would like to take the blood out of the Bible because it's gory. Yes, it's gory, but it's also the truth. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. The second part of that verse says, And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. If you have not applied the blood of Jesus Christ by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, then your sins are not yet remitted. Amen. We celebrate Easter. That is a reminder of his death and resurrection. But mostly, please recognize this for a moment, mostly when we celebrate Easter, and this is not Easter, I understand that. But I want you to understand something. When we celebrate Easter, we celebrate his resurrection. But what about a few days earlier when he gave his life? We don't make as big a deal about that as we do his resurrection. And I believe both ought to be taught and known. But if it wasn't for his death, there would not be a forgiveness of our sins. We just got done celebrating Christmas. And that we use as a reminder of his birth. But it is communion that reminds us of the incredible sacrifice. For many years, in uncountable sacrifices, the Jews would see their sins pushed ahead. For year after year after year, they would sacrifice again 
every single year in them their sins, the sin offering would be made, their sins would be pushed ahead all the way until Calvary. And I like to say this, when you see the arms of Jesus outstretched upon Calvary's cross, uh, to me it seems like uh, he's reaching all the way back to the beginning of time. uh, And he's reaching all the way forward until the end of time. uh, And he's embracing all the sins of humanity from beginning to end. Uh, All of those sins came upon him. uh, And as I'm preaching to you this morning, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus said, uh, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, Amen. He was feeling the sins of all humanity upon himself. God robed in flesh, the one sinless human being that ever lived. Amen. And he was taking all of those sins upon himself. I hope you're starting to feel what I'm feeling this morning. And he was taking, as he was taking that, that sin upon himself, you know, he was, he, he, I don't, it's hard to even imagine it, but somehow maybe he was just looking up to heaven. Of course, the spirit had left him, and he, looking up to heaven, that flesh, that body is saying, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? So every year the Jews would sacrifice for their sins, but it was never complete because they had to do it again and again. And again, Hebrews 10, verses 3 and 4 says, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. The Lord was showing the Hebrew people, the Jews, that it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away their sin. Oh, it pushed their sins ahead. But it never fully took away their sins. And then I love in verse 10, Hebrews 10, verse 10, it says, By the which will we see our sacrifice through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So all of those sins, picture it somehow in your mind's eye, year after year after year, thousands and hundreds of thousands, likely millions upon millions of animals had been killed uh, from the institution of the law until uh, the end when Christ gave his life. Uh, All of that blood that was shed, uh, but it could not wash away their sins. It would just push their sins away. But once and for all, the Bible tells us, when Jesus gave his life, once and for all, that sacrifice made the difference. And it says, once and for all, then verse 11 says, And every, every priest standeth daily ministering often, uh, offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So the Lord is showing the Hebrew, Hebrew children, the Hebrew people, that those sacrifices never could completely take care of their sin. And I'm going to ask Sister Tryon to come if she would. And we're not finished yet. But there's a song that is worthy of singing right now. And that song is, I See a Crimson stream of blood. As it was written many years ago by, by a very precious black man by the name of G.T. Haywood. 
And as God gave him this song, it tells the story in my mind of Calvary. And as our musicians would come, and I'd like us, in fact, if you would, let's stand. And I hope you're going to be able to put that up on the screen. I think we put it there on the program. But I would like us to sing, I see a crimson stream of blood. Let's start with on Calvary's hill. On Calvary's hill of sorrow where sin's demands were paid and rays of hope for tomorrow across our path were laid. Let's sing it. I see. I see. A crimson stream of blood it flows from Calvary. His waves, which reach the throne of God, are sweet. Hold on just a minute. We're going to sing this next verse today. No condemnation. But I, I want you to get this, please. This is not just any song. I'm grateful for the songs that we have today for the modern songs. They're excellent. But I'm just going to step out on a limb for a second and tell you there's nothing like this song. I don't think it's possible today to pen words like this. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but this tells the story of Calvary. This tells, don't, don't just sing the words. Don't just let it go by and, oh, we're just singing a song. This is not just a song. This is telling the real deal here. I want you to notice what it says, and we're going to read. The next part of it says, Today no condemnation abides to turn away. My soul from his salvation, he's in my heart to say. This tells a story. Let's sing it. Let's sing this song. Today no condemnation abides to turn away. soul from his salvation is in my heart to say oh I see I see a crimson stream of blood it flows from waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. Keep playing for just a moment. I want you to picture in your mind's eye Jesus hanging on Calvary's tree. 
And if you could remember the story. The way I picture it is, and I believe it's true, that the dark, thick, black clouds begin to roll in as his life was ebbing from him. The Bible tells us how the earth began to shake. There was an earthquake to the point that the veil of the temple that was a fairly long distance away ripped from top to bottom showing that now we can have entrance into that holy of holy place. But somehow I feel like I need to tell you, I need to remind you that I I believe the reason that there was an earthquake was because the ground, the earth, was never intended to absorb the blood of its maker. what I just said. As that blood began to drip from his arms and from his side and from his feet and from his brow and down his back, down his legs, down that rough hewn log, that wood uh, that he was hanging upon, as that blood began to drip into the ground, uh, that earth was saying, I cannot receive this. I cannot accept this. This is the blood of my maker. The one that created me. And the earth began to shake and tremble. I think these are the thoughts and the things that the writer G.T. Haywood, I believe he was seeing this. I believe he was smelling the smells and feeling the what was feel, what was happening is almost like God took him to the foot of the cross to sing the price that Jesus paid. Let's sing this next chorus. When gloom, when gloom and, and sadness whisper, you sin, no use to pray. I look away to Jesus. tells me to say I see a crimson stream of blood it flows from Calvary it's ways which reach the throne of God are this next part in a second but that last verse just said when gloom and sadness whisper you've sinned no use to play no use to pray how many of you has the devil ever come around to try to tell you you know what there's too much sin in your life there's too much wrong that you've done there's no use to pray and there's no use to talk to God because he won't hear you amen G.T. Haywood brings that to light when he says when gloom and sadness whisper when you see yourself in that circumstance uh, you've sinned no use to pray I look away to Jesus and he tells me to say, I see 
a crimson stream of blood. Let's sing the next verse. Praise Him, Jesus. We give honor, praise, glory to you, Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, our God. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated for a few moments as I bring some final remarks to you. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ that saves us. Today, as we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's New Testament salvation. Amen. When the Scripture tells us that we are to repent, in other words, we are to turn face or to, uh, to turn around and turn away from sin, to ask God to forgive us. And then when we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, our sins are washed away. When we come up out of that water and we begin to speak in other tongues as God fills us with his spirit, that completes our New Testament experience as far as salvation is concerned. But it doesn't stop there. It goes much further than there. I don't have time to preach about that or talk about that today. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Know ye not uh, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So when we are baptized in Jesus' name, uh, in a sense, we are baptized into his death or we are applying uh, his death, his blood to our lives. In Galatians 3.27 it says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Uh, and then Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, you can't be baptized in the name of Buddha or Muhammad or some false god uh, and be saved, but you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and be saved. Would somebody shout yes? 
Because the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none under other name under heaven given among men, whereby the Bible says, we must be saved. We take, when we take communion, it should remind us of the terrible price that Jesus paid. But we are saved when we repent and get baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he not, cannot see the kingdom of God. When Jesus sat at the table with his disciples and he was, as he was seeing uh, as they were seeing uh, the, the, the bread that was being broken and, and as they were drinking that cup, they, they may not have been able to fully wrap it around their brains what was going on. They didn't know at that time uh, that just hours later that broken bread would be his broken body and that cup that they would drink, that wine, would be his blood. The idea of Jesus' sacrifice have not, had not yet registered to them. John 6, 47, and on from there it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I, notice what Jesus said in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Verse 24, it goes on, it says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him, give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Verse 52, uh, that was 51, 52 says, Jesus therefore strove among, or I'm sorry, the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can a man give his flesh to eat? When Jesus was saying this to the people that were there, they, they, they couldn't relate what he was saying. Verse uh, 53, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I send you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth with me, and I in him. That was a hard thing for many people to see. At that point, there were many, many disciples. But when he looked at them and said, if you're going to have life in you, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they're looking at him like, are you telling us we need to be cannibals? That's not what he was saying. And, in fact, uh, John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Listen, I'm not going to powder coat it for you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. If you're going to walk with the Lord, it's going to cost you. <laughs> A couple of amens. If you're going to walk with the Lord, it's going to cost you. If you want cheap religion, they sell that down the street somewhere. Amen? 
If you want a cheap experience, you can go find that somewhere else. But if you want the real deal, it's going to cost you. But that cost will be an amazing thing. When you give yourself to the Lord, he will give himself to you. And he will bless you and he will keep you. If you don't know what it's like to have your sins forgiven. Oh, I'm thankful for that day that I went down in the watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Because I knew who I was. I knew what I had done. I knew the sins that I had committed. I knew the awful things that I had done. And just to know that I went when I went under that water, all of those sins were forever washed away. I'm grateful for that. But that was not purchased cheaply. It was purchased with the ultimate price, his life for us. When we receive communion, We are remembering his sacrifice. In a sense, it is a recommitment to walking with the Lord. And as our, hopefully our ushers can go get the other teachers in their classes and bring them in. But when we receive a communion here in a moment, it is a recommitment to walking with the Lord. God robed in, robed in flesh gave his life for us. His sacrifice He, the sacrifice he paid is not something to take lightly. And so everyone's going to be coming back in in just a moment. And I know this message and the ending of this service is going to be different than typically we have on a Sunday morning. But I, I love when we get a chance to receive communion. It is such a precious time to me when we can honor the Lord in this way. And we invite everyone that is here to take communion with us. And we will, in fact, let me give you uh, some instructions. And I know, again, there's many that are going to be coming back in from their Sunday school classes. But we're going to have our musicians come if they would. And, and what's going to happen is Brother Brown will come up here and he is going to pray over communion. And then he is going to break that bread as I discussed, as I talked about In this message, when you see that he breaks that, br that bread, I'm sorry, when he breaks that bread, I want you to somehow picture Jesus when he was sitting at that, that table with his disciples. And he took that loaf of bread and he broke that and he handed it to his disciples. He said to them, I want you to take this and I want you to eat it. Because as this bread has been broken, This is a type of my body, which is broken for you. Then when we receive the communion cup, it's grape juice. We don't serve wine. We do grape juice. I can explain that to you some other time. But when you receive that, the Lord said, as you drink it, this is a type of my blood. So the, the bread is a type of his broken body, and the cup is a type of his blood. And the Bible says we do this in remembrance of him. So what we're going to do here in just a few moments as Brother Brown is going to come is he, he's going to pray over our communion and then he's going to break the bread. And then we're going to have you flow through. We'll probably have everybody uh, just flow the way we normally do offering from the sides to come through. And you're going to take a piece of bread and you're going to take one of the cups and you can go back to your seat. And we recommend that you pray that you talk to the Lord for a few moments 
and then either Brother Brown or myself will come back to the podium. We'll have everybody stand. Once everybody has the cup and has the bread, we'll have everybody stand, and then we will take communion together. And I'm grateful that we can do this. Brother Brown, I didn't ask you before, but I would like you to lead us in a prayer of repentance. Could everybody stand? Please stand with us. Now, we have to do this for ourselves. Brother Brown is going to lead us as an example of how to pray and ask the Lord to forgive us. But one thing we definitely should do before we receive communion is ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. Brother Brown, would you pray for us? Would you join me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful for the sacrifice that you made on Calvary. We're thankful for the blood that you shed, Lord, for the beating that you took, the stripes that you took, the thorns that you took on your head, Lord, the, the torture that you endured on our behalf. Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the death that you died to bring us life. And Lord, we're asking that you would look down upon us today and hear our prayer. We're asking that you would forgive us for the sins we have committed, the things that we have done that weren't pleasing in your eyes, Lord. We, we repent of that right now. We ask you to forgive us. Lord, we refute those sins and we understand and we acknowledge that they're wrong. And we're asking you would forgive us and wash us in your blood all over again. And help us, Lord, not to do those sins again. We turn away from those sins with our intention and our heart and our mind is to not go back into those sins and not do those things again with your help. And help us today to walk forward in victory, Lord, as you have forgiven us, if you have, as you have washed us from our sins in your blood, Lord, help us to walk in the victory that you now give us. And we'll give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, once again, I recommend that everyone come through and receive communion that can, but we don't want to embarrass anyone. So if you don't want to receive communion, don't feel like you have to come through. I do recommend that anyone 10 and above can receive communion. However, parents, you know your children the best. And if you have a child that is under the age of 10 that is mature enough and you feel they can receive communion, that's up to you. We welcome them to come with you if you want to, if you want them to receive communion. But we like to set it at about an age 10 and above uh, unless you feel uh, children younger than that can come, then they can come also. Amen. Our ministers are coming. Brother Milton, I apologize. You're going to be losing the translation here because Brother Milton is going to come help us with communion. Oh, thank you. Sister Shira is going to go over and help with that. Brother Milton's going to come over. Brother Sanchez, could you come over? Can you help us as well? And again, the way we're going to do this is I'll invite you in just a moment. But if you're on this side of the church here, this middle section, this section, you're going to come down this side here. You will take one of the cups and you will take a piece of bread and then you'll go back to your seats. Same thing with this side. Just come down this, this aisle here and then you can take a cup and you can take a piece of bread with you. Excuse me. Sister Marie, where are you? Could I steal you for uno momento, por favor?
as you see Brother Brown, and some of you can't see because his back is towards you, but he is breaking the bread. If you could somehow imagine that Jesus, when he went to give this communion, as he was celebrating Passover with his disciples, he took, took that bread and he broke it. And he said, this is a type of my body, which is broken for you. This is a great example, very similar to what Jesus did as he broke that bread. And then these cups, again, they are uh, grape juice. You will take one of those. In the day when the Lord had communion with the disciples, yes, they used wine, but their wine was more like grape juice. It didn't have alcohol in it the way wine does today, and that's why we use that's why we use grape juice. I'm thankful for these ministers, and in just a moment, we'll invite you to come, and if you can join in communion with us. Again, what you're going to do after you take the cup and the bread, you're going to go back to your seats and wait, and then we will take communion together. Let's sing this song. Jesus. 